and welcome to the very first episode of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. I'll be joined each and every week by some of the brightest minds in the gambling industry. But listen, if you are looking for picks, you're in the wrong place. We are here to break down the movers, the shakers, and separate the real news from the fake news and everything that you're reading out there in the gambling industry. Again, with some of the brightest minds in the entire industry this week. And most every week, I'll be joined by these two gentlemen. First, Dustin Galker. You've no doubt read his stuff on Online Poker Report, Legal Sports Report, soon to be The Lines. Dustin, thank you for being here this week. Absolutely. And Brett Colson, he is the man who's actually pulling all the strings over at thelines.com. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what in the hell is thelines.com? Well, fortunately, we have Brett here to tell you all about it. Brett, can you tell us about the lines, what folks can see today when they head to thelines.com, and then what they can expect to see in the future at the site? Yeah, well, look, it's an exciting time for sports betting in the U.S. right now with the potential for legal regulated wagering in not only New Jersey, but in potentially dozens of states in the coming years. So what we've created, the lines, is a resource for sports bettors to get the usual stuff. You'll find live odds and sports betting how-tos at the lines, but it's also a place to get unfiltered industry takes and analysis from experts who aren't afraid to swing away. And that's really where we plan to separate ourselves from other of other sports betting sites. We call it like we see it. We keep it fun, but we're not going to be afraid to tear a sports book or a league to shreds if we see something you don't like. Prime example, Matt, you wrote an article this month about how bad the Westgate Super Contest payout system is. It's terrible. It needs to be addressed, and we're going to call them out for it. So uh, if you've visited the site, you've probably already gathered. Our writers are going to cut through the crowd, provide all the facts while keeping it real. And as Matt said, we're not touts. That's not our lane. We're not going to pretend we're sharp sports betters. The lines is a place to go for quick and hard industry analysis, especially if your state is being impacted by the coming Supreme Court decision. Uh, of course, you can visit Legal Sports Report for more of the heavy lifting on that front. Uh, Dustin and his team are fantastic and on the beat every day. But we're excited to collaborate on this podcast. It's a platform for more of a long form format where we can dig deeper into the stories that matter in this industry and it all starts in new jersey with this supreme court case absolutely dustin i did mention online poker report legal sports report of course that information is going to bleed over into this podcast as well as big news you know breaks throughout the industry can you give people just a brief snapshot of what they can find at opr and lsr yeah so we're just basically covering anything in the online casino online poker sports betting daily fantasy sports industries and there's obviously a lot of news on a lot of those fronts the biggest thing in, in any of those is the New Jersey sports betting case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, decision could come anywhere from next week to later in June. And that's where New Jersey is fighting against the federal ban uh, that exists in 49 states. You can only legally bet on sports in Nevada, technically. So New Jersey is fighting that in court, in the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, if they win, there's a possibility that other states that want to legalize it can. And there's a number of states that have already passed laws kind of doing that. So uh, that's the the big news that we're following. Uh, if sports betting happens, it's probably going to be mobile, online, and there's that makes a likelihood of other things, online casino and poker kind of ramping up as well. So uh, exciting time to be in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of people out there, and you know who you are, you're listening to this podcast right now, and you know exactly who you are. You're a headline reader. You don't click on the article. You don't read through. You don't know exactly what's going on so all you're seeing is maybe a 280 character tweet or maybe even less as far as a headline to a story so dustin let's pretend that someone and, and i know this is going to be very hard for you to do in a short amount of time but 
do your best for some brevity here, but like, let's pretend someone is only a headline reader. And can you walk them through how we got to this point where we are waiting on pins and needles each and every time that the Supreme Court releases decisions as to whether or not this, uh, this sports betting case, how it even got here? Yeah, I'll try to give you the nickel version. It's uh, It goes back to a law that New Jersey passed in 2012 trying to legalize sports wagering uh, in against that, we, that that federal ban that we talked about. Um, they actually lost in court the whole way of the first time around. They then passed another law in 2014 trying to do basically the same thing, get around this federal ban uh, from a 1992 law called the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act. This time around, they kept losing. They lost in two different stages of federal court. And then the US, U.S. Supreme Court last summer decided to take the case. Oral arguments were held in December. And then ever since then, we've been waiting for a decision. And uh, I was in the courtroom for that day. And a lot of other lawyers and analysts kind of uh, listening along thought New Jersey did a really, really good job in that case. And a lot of people expect that New Jersey won uh, and that that this this federal ban is going to be struck down. So, um, like you said, we're kind of uh, we're in a holding pattern. Nobody knows when the decision will come. We know it will come before July because that's when the Supreme Court goes into recess, but uh, could come just about any day now. Uh, next time is April 30th that it could happen. That is a bit of a humble brag, by the way, if you guys didn't catch it. Dustin definitely was in the courtroom for that uh, for that case. He went up and actually was in there. You were credentialed media. I know you were very uh, excited about that and honestly a little bit shocked that you were even that you were allowed in. But once you got in, I mean, you fit right in, right? I mean, you were basically I, just one of the guys, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are, there are lots of people there. It was exciting. I got sat behind a pillar, so I couldn't, I had a kind of a obstructed view. <laughs> wasn't a, wasn't prime seating uh, like you would get a, like a VIP would at a ballpark, but it was fun. Uh, yeah, like Clay Travis was there, so uh, no shortage of people who are kind of Interest, interested in the industry who were uh, were there and it was cool to be there you were just one of many celebrities dustin you were just yes. one of many celebrities paying attention so brett now that we've gotten kind of the nuts and bolts of the background of all this um you know we we sit here as we tape this on april the 24th that is tuesday afternoon we were thinking that there was at least a long shot that maybe this could could uh come down today like dustin mentioned the next time here is in about a week um, for everyone that's been following along here, what is the timetable? What, how long could we possibly wait here? And basically, what does this mean if a, if a decision were to actually uh, come down? Well, regardless of what the New York Post will tell you, nobody knows when this is going to come down. I'm not going to pretend I have a clue uh, when it's going to happen. What I do know is that all three of us and many others will be sitting in front of our computers sweating the blog each day. It could happen. Uh, that's the extent of what we know, I mean, it's going to happen sometime before July. Um, I know, hot take there, but that's really, at this point, I think, I, I mean, I'll defer to Dustin, but I would I would say probably more likely uh, this comes down in June. Yeah, it's possible. It's, uh, I mean, nobody knows what goes on in the Supreme Court. They have a lot of important cases. People, you know, this is obviously a really important topic for a lot of people, but in the grand scheme of things, this is our nation's highest court, you know, dealing with issues that are just as important and, and a lot more important than sports betting. And and it could be a complicated issue. There might be more than one decision. It might not be kind of quick and easy, like, hey, this is legal, hey, it's not. Um, when you get into constitutional law, there's a lot that goes into it. So, yeah, our guess is good. it could be next week. It could be weeks from now. We could be just waiting. Uh, and, yeah, who knows? Where yeah. The, but if anybody's telling you they know, they don't know. Yeah, so, you know, we're talking about headline readers here, and I'm sure – 
if you've been following, you know, a lot of the mainstream writers have at least touched on this along the way. And these are all topics that if you subscribe to this podcast, which you should, you should follow the lines uh, on the website a ton. And you should definitely listen to every time we go live because we will delve way deep into this stuff. But with this being our first podcast, we want to at least get out there with, with some of the big headlines that have keep, that keep dropping in the mainstream has picked up on this whole 1% integrity fee thing. If you've probably seen it pass through your Twitter feed, you've probably seen it on ESPN.com, you've probably seen it all over the place. Um, I'll defer to, let's let's start with Brett. Brett, give us the skinny on this whole 1% integrity fee, and then I will go over to Dustin, and he can give us uh, his thoughts on how this is all going down. Well, importantly to start, it's, it's not an integrity fee. It's, it's, it's a loyalty fee. It's a way for the leaks to say, you know, we put on this product, we should be compensated for it if this billion-dollar betting business exists. And they aimed high at a 1% of all handle, which is a ridiculous and unsustainable number. And they got a lot of pushback on that. And over the past few months, the leagues and some states have seemed to settle on a 0.25% cut being reasonable. Whether that's actually implemented remains to be seen. But... Yeah, the leagues need to understand that this is not casino gambling. The margins are smaller in sports betting. If you're taking 1% from all bets, sports books could struggle to make ends meet, and then you don't have a business. So there needs to be sensible dialogue here if this is going to work, and we haven't seen a whole lot of it so far. Now, Dustin, do you think that the leagues getting involved in this lobbying and going after this 1% integrity fee, do you think this is basically them waving the white flag? Do you think that this is them assuming that they're going to lose this case? Oh, I think it's absolutely what it is. I don't think you'd be seeing this lobbying if they didn't think they were going to lose. They even as less uh, like sometime like middle of summer last year, the leagues were, said they weren't even going to lobby Congress, that they were just going to let things kind of progress. And then the Supreme Court said, we're going to take this case. All of a sudden, the calculus changes them. They think they're going to lose, um, most likely. So they say, like, if they want to have a say, they're going to have to start lobbying in the states. And what we've seen is we have something, you know, approaching two dozen states that have at least introduced legislation related to sports betting. Uh, we've uncovered at least a dozen states where the NBA and Major League Baseball who are uh, espousing this integrity fee or rights fee or whatever you want to call it, royalty fee, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're lobbying, you know, they're spending a lot of money to, you know, try to get people to say, do what they want and, and lawmakers to say, hey, we're going to give you a cut of the action. So uh, I absolutely think it's a case that, you know, they're they're agreeing with analysts and you know people who I talk to that they're going to lose and that New Jersey is going to win and that there's going to be an expansion of regulated sports betting in the United States. So one of the things that I jump up and down about, because it seems like a lot of really smart people either haven't taken the time, I, I shouldn't even say smart people, people in important positions, I should say, haven't taken the time to accurately decipher between the two. And if they have, they just don't give a damn. So, Dustin, this is something you and I have talked about extensively, and I will let you uh, take the take the reins here. Can you please explain the difference to people between handle and revenue? Yeah, I hope uh, if anybody's you know betting on sports out there, they at least understand this idea that there's you know there's wagers, all the all the money that people bet on games. Now, that's you know on both sides of, of the game. You're 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 betting on the Heat and the Sixers tonight. You're betting there's money on the Sixers, there's money on the Heat to cover the point spread or on the money line, and all of those bets, all of them accumulated. That's the handle. That's how much money is flowing through sports books and how much money they're touching. Now, the revenue is just what those books keep when they when they after. The the bets are all resolved. So, you know, generally books try to get uh, action on both sides of the bet so that they just get that what's called the VIG, what's the, the money that they get 
for conducting business. They, it's usually something where between five and 10% um, with regulated books. And then they're giving that money. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're hoping that they have 50% action on both sides, basically, and that they get their five to 10%. And, and historically we've seen Nevada has about, they hold about uh, 5% of all revenue of all, of all handle that goes through their books. So, um, yeah, we see a, a lot of people d conflating these two things that, Hey, there's like, there's these billions and billions of dollars of money, but no, it's, there's just billions of dollars flowing through sports book. The actual money is going to be, you know, 5% of whatever's being wagered or 10% if you're really being optimistic on how much books can make. So it's a frustrating thing that we've seen for sure. People uh, want to like make the sports betting industry seem bigger than it is. So we talk a lot about handle and revenue and uh, the difference between the two. And, and Brett, the reason this is such a huge thing is because when you talk about taxing 1% of handle, that people they look at this and they just say, oh yeah, you know, 1%, it doesn't seem like it's that much money. But again, we're talking about the actual amount of money that sports books make. And this actually comes out to be a, a much bigger percentage uh, than, than people, than people really give it credit for. They see 1% and they're like, ah, 1%, but it's really a massive amount of money when you actually look at how much money they bring in. Yeah, of course. If, if a sports, if a sports margin, margin is 20% or a 5% and you, you're looking at a 1% fee rights fee, uh, going to the leagues, that's twenty percent of of revenue that's going out out of the uh, out of the casinos' and, and hands. So. before they and that's before they pay employees. That's exactly marketing. Yeah. That's before you know all the different things that have to go on with this whole deal. And this is why it's such an important thing, and why that is probably something you'll hear us jump up and down about on this podcast several times because it is a big big difference in the way that you look at all of this because. At the end of the day, what we're trying to do with legalization here to drive some of this out of, and, it, and I say some of this because it's not going to rid it. Listen, there's always going to be bookies. There's always going to be offshore betting, but we're trying to drive some of that revenue back into legal and regulated sports books here in the United States. And if you tax these guys at an absurd rate, what's going to happen is, and, and Dustin, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but what's going to happen is, is that, you know, the, the big money guys and the, even the middle medium money guys that do betting are probably going to keep their business offshore simply because they're going to be able to get such a better price than they are going to be able to get here. And, and the sports books are basically going to be fighting a battle they can't win. Yeah, there's a lots of goals in, in regulating the sports market and legalizing the United States. But number one, you know, and that's what the leagues have been saying all along, Adam Silver going back to 2014, is creating a regulated market and, you know, transferring betting from a, a market that we don't have a whole lot of visibility into and we have no idea what's going on in, that there's billions of dollars flowing through to one that's legal and regulated. So there's definitely, you know, if you create costs that are high, if you tax it, if you have this integrity fee, if you continue to make things that make it hard to do business, then you're, yeah, you're making it hard for books in the United States and that are going to be legal and regulated to compete with offshore books who have none of these overhead costs, who don't pay taxes to you know, the United States or states or, and are not paying money to the league. So um, it is, it all, it is all, uh, it's hard to wrap your mind around for the leagues who say they want to, you know, stop a black market, but they're also uh, advocating for things that are going to help the black market continue. Yeah. I think we will have an entire episode here in the coming weeks on just the hypocrisy that the leagues have shown over the years and continue to show in these in these hearings and in these lobbying efforts of theirs but c continuing just on the the broad topics here that we want to kind of get everyone familiar with so that when we do really delve into these things that they'll be familiar with what we're talking about Brett so 
let's say that this court that this uh, court case comes down, and let's just say it is on the thirtieth. Let's say it is next week. If PASPA is repealed, where can we expect to see sports betting in the United States? Well, it's it could spread throughout the United States. I mean, initially it means that the the five other states other than New Jersey that have successfully passed some sort of sports betting legislation can begin implementing implementing uh, a sports betting framework as soon as they're ready. And that includes Mississippi, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Uh, beyond that, uh, the numerous other states that already actively are considering bills will have more clarity and some some added motivation to move forward with legislation. And that is could spread through dozens of states, which would obviously be massive for the sports betting industry in the, in the U.S. Dustin, where else is at least looks somewhat promising? I know that there are a lot of different you know, lawmakers out there that basically kind of jumped on the bandwagon here as soon as this, you know, kind of started to become a little bit more clear. Are there any are there any states out there that look promising? Are there ones that looked promising that no longer look promising? And do you see there being anything uh, happening by the end of, let's say, this legislative session? Yeah. So the other one I think Brett didn't mention is New York. They've actually it's a little bit of a mess there. They've already legalized it at their commercial casinos pending a uh, New Jersey winning its case. But they're probably not going to offer it until they can pass a more comprehensive law that allows it to happen at their tracks and casinos and off track off track betting. So I put New York on the list. They're really pretty con- seriously considering doing something. Uh, they've had leagues and and uh, casinos there have already had talks. So it's it's really moving along there. I'd say it's probably a favorite for something to happen there. Uh, other states, Connecticut is definitely still on uh, on the uh, radar. They've, you know, they're still pushing for uh, legislation. They actually called in some ex-players we saw today to come in and, and lobby for regulation uh, via the league. So I'd put that on the top of the list. But um, like, but the, the the way the calendar has fallen, it's it's kind of bad for for really pushing legislation through because we've seen uh, legislatures meet generally in the middle of the beginning of the year and they kind of wrap up their business in in the before the summer. And there's an, it's an election year this year. And we don't have this. Uh, we don't have any clarity from the Supreme Court yet. So I think a lot of states are waiting to see what happens before they put a whole lot of you know heavy lifting into figuring out how sports betting will happen. But you know, states like West Virginia did pass a law this year, and they're going to be uh, going to have a kind of a, a head start on other other states because they're going to be ready to go if New Jersey wins. So we we hear you know New Jersey obviously is the one that keeps popping up over and over and over again. Um, for for the people that are that are listening in New Jersey, for the people that are bordering New Jersey and this say this does go their way Brett are how soon are these guys going to be able to walk into you know a um you know a place that has a sports betting window let's call it the Borgata which I know that they've been you know actively uh kind of getting ready for all of this how soon are they going to be able to place a bet well Monmouth Park was reportedly days away from launching a sports betting offering back in 2014 before the rug was swept from underneath them so it sounds like uh William Hill through Monmouth Park, will be ready right away. Again, they've stated they're hoping to be able to accept wagers by the start of the Kentucky Derby on May 5th. Uh, and other other books in New Jersey will likely be ready right away, too. I mean, MGM, uh, you mentioned Borgata. I can't imagine it will take long for, for any of the AC casinos to, to get some sort of offering up and running. Yeah, and that means, you know, again, physically located. So as long as you're, if you can make it to one of these places, it's just like being in Vegas, right? So any of these bordering states probably will be crossing the state lines, at least for the bigger sporting events until they get 
that in their state as well. Now, Dustin, we're, we're talking about that we think that this is going to go, I'll call it our way, because this certainly <laughs> benefits us, and you know we're invested in this and in, in legalization and whatnot, but let's say this goes against us. Let's say this doesn't get ruled in our favor. What happens then? Is, is the, does the sky fall? Does everything come crashing down? Where do we sit if for some strange reason the world gets shocked and they come back and it doesn't go in favor of New Jersey? Yeah, it's, it gets a lot messier. This is, this is the cleanest route to an expansion of sports betting is New Jersey winning. There's a, there's even a possibility that New Jersey kind of wins narrowly and it's allowed to win sports betting, to, to offer sports betting, but other states can't. Uh, I won't get into the, the details of that. That's probably for another time, but um, that's possible. It's really possible. I mean, after all, the the leagues, which are the plaintiffs in the case, have have said on new have won on numerous occasions in this case. They they won three different times in federal courts below the Supreme Court. So it's not like it's totally unreasonable to think that. So if it does, if the Supreme Court does rule against New Jersey, then we're talking Congress needs to do something about it. Uh, now, how much will there is to do that? I don't know. There's you know. It's an again election year in Congress. I don't see them touching a sports betting uh, law in 2018. But 2019, if you know states come to their, if you know states go to their representatives and senators and say, "Hey, look, we want to offer sports betting, but we can't because it's dumb federal law," then we're talking. You know, maybe there's some will in Congress to repeal PASPA, create some kind of basic regulatory framework. But that's where we have to go. Is we'd have to have Congress repeal PASPA, which is you know depending on who you talk to either really likely or not very likely in, in the next few years. Yeah. It's kind of interesting before I really got into following this stuff, um, you know, because it was part of, you know, part of the gig. I didn't really realize that when we, when we nominate these guys to represent us, that they really only work like a few months out of the year. It's actually kind of frustrating. And, and, and here in Nevada where I am, they only meet every two years. So it's, it's, it's really crazy when you go and you look at these state legislatures and you kind of go, well, what do you mean ending the session? Like, what do you mean they're going to be done and it can't be done for this year and whatever? It's like, yeah, it could not only be done for this year. It can not only be done for this year and the next year because they don't even meet the following year. And one of the shocking states is Texas, right? Isn't like, I mean, a huge, huge state and they only meet every two years. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, they don't. Yeah, they're taking off this year entirely, and they'll meet again in 2019. It's another place where fan, where fantasy sports uh, legislation will probably come up next year. But yeah, sometimes it's a part time job. We uh, I sometimes you know get caught making fun of lawmakers, but this isn't even all their, their full time job in a lot of states. They're getting minimal salaries. They're just kind. Of, this is a part time job, and they have their lawyers or something else in their other career. And they a few months of the year they meet for legislation. And there, there are some states where they meet year rounds, but uh, yeah, it's it's and it's it's incre- it's really hard to get laws passed in in states. It's like this people it's like it's hard, easy to say oh flip a switch turn on sports betting but you have to you know there's a lot of these states are starting from scratch and it's it's a hard pool to you know pass a law that is a big really really is a big expansion of gambling yeah brett is that one of the things that you learned when you really got into this was that it seems like a lot of the stuff that you just wonder like why why can't this just get this makes common sense this is common sense this makes the most sense in the world this would obviously be a better way to do to do things and you wonder like why it can't get done. And now you realize as you start following these hearings and following things that are going on and you see legislative calendars, and whatever, and you, you realize like how big and a monumental deal it is to actually get something passed. Yeah. Politics is, uh, is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so complex. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm still learning as I go with all this and it's just, there's just so much, uh, that, that happens and it doesn't happen through throughout this process. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting follow, uh, since I came on board. 
So, Brett, what can people, whenever they head to the lines today, what can they look to find as far as some articles that have been posted recently, and what do you have kind of coming down the pike here? Well, we're covering a lot of what's going on, obviously, in uh, not, only, not only New Jersey, but um, with the the leagues and their their involvement in this uh, this emerging sports betting industry. And um, other than that, we've got a lot of uh, sports betting content coming up around the Kentucky Derby, uh, obviously a big event there, and uh, a lot more. I mean, it's you know, it's. So there's so much going on right now in uh, this 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 industry, and uh, we're trying to offer all the information we can on it while uh, providing some some fun content and uh, some hard takes around it. So, Dustin, while everyone will definitely be here every week because they love us already through this first 25 minutes of this podcast <laughs> that they've listened to, where can they find you between podcasts so that they are able to keep up with everything that you have going on? Let's see, uh, Dustin Gauker on Twitter, G-O-U-K-E-R. We've got LSP Reports also, which is which is just all our news and whatever's going on in the sports betting industry. OPR Update on Twitter for uh, online gambling and casino and on po- online poker, which is uh, increasingly a, a, a space that we're really that's really seeing a lot of traction. And uh, like I said, we didn't even get into really mobile sports betting, but that's where it's going. Everybody, everybody, even the leagues uh, and the casinos agree that it's going toward mobile sports betting. That's where you can't just you can't compete with the offshore markets without it. So uh, it's really interesting to be following the online uh, portion of this space and where it's headed. Yeah, really looking forward to getting into these things really in depth here in this podcast, because this is really kind of us just prepping you for all the kinds of different topics that we can really hit on and, and spend a a lot of time really getting into showing the history, showing the developments and showing where we think that these things may go because there's a lot of complexity that goes on here like i said beyond the headlines brett where can people find you and all the content from the lines on the old social medias yeah you can follow me at brett colson b-r-e-t-t-c-o-l-l-s-o-n and our new twitter account is at the lines us at the lines us be sure and add those us at the end there look at you guys with being able to get your real name as your twiddle handle when you have a when you have a name as plain as matt <laughs> brown like matt brown doesn't get you don't get got there so i am at matt brown m2 if you'd like to follow me on the social medias usually just sports takes and different things like that so if you're looking at me for uh, life advice you might want to go elsewhere that's not going to happen uh guys this has been a very fun first episode i think we got through a lot of the major headlines that everyone's seeing hopefully they have a better understanding of those headlines and from here on out we'll be able to really take these separate issues and dig deep dive into them and maybe even have on some other guests i know chris grove is going to join us on the podcast from time to time as well another very fancy man of many talents that has gone and stood before several different legislatures and spoken on these various topics and whatnot so you can look forward to that as well so uh looking forward to uh coming back next week guys thanks for listening on the lines podcast we will see you next week